This episode is brought to you by Eastern Bank, the largest commercial bank headquartered in Massachusetts, with more than two centuries of service to the various communities it serves. Eastern supports investing in people and places that are poised to make a difference, doing good things to help people prosper. To learn more about Eastern Bank, please visit easternbank.com. That's easternbank.com. Hi, I'm Juliet Mayers. Welcome to Entering the Inspiration Zone with Juliet Mayers, a podcast for business professionals and entrepreneurs seeking positive connection and professional development. As an accomplished author, speaker, DEI strategist, and member of Forbes Coaches Council, I am living the dream, and I love helping others achieve their dreams. Each episode, I will share with you actionable steps that you can take to build the work and life you've imagined. Welcome. I am so excited to have with me this morning, Lisa Pryor. Welcome, Lisa. Juliet, so wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, a joy to have you. So Lisa is the founder of Pryor Consulting, a global firm that has been providing leadership coaching for the past 21 years. She is also the president of the Boston Club, a community of executives vested in elevating women to positions of power and leadership. And Lisa is also an author of the book, Take Charge of Your View, Career Advice You Won't Get from Your Boss. She's been featured in Forbes, ABC News, and radio, NBC, and I could go on. She is a very accomplished executive and I am so thrilled to have her in my circle. So Lisa, as you know, our podcast, my podcast always starts with me asking my guests to tell our audience about yourself, because I think it's so important that we have the context for who is Lisa. And so in a minute, I'm gonna ask you to do that. So today we're gonna be talking about the art of evolving yourself and your business. And so Lisa, take it away. Thank you so much, Juliet. Well, you know, it, I, I always seem to start this introduction conversation about you know, who is Lisa Pryor with where I grew up and, you know, my early life, because it's just so formative for all of us. So I grew up in a company town in Connecticut. Town was called Naugatuck. There's some fascinating history, Juliet, about Naugatuck that has been lost. It was the cradle of the world's vulcanized rubber industry. Didn't um, know that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> My friend, if you have ever had the pleasure of experiencing Naugahyde, it came from Naugatuck. So, you know, now you, you know that important fact. But it was also where the idea and possibly even the phrase made in America was born. Oh. And you know, this was, uh, there's a whole amazing history behind it. But, you know, I think what's what's important to understand sort of the era I grew up in, that experience of being in a company town where, you know, everyone had a family member or friend who worked in, you know, certain factories and particularly the rubber industry and the rubber factories that were there in the town. And of course, 
the, those factories had been a magnet for my own parents. We had this amazing experience while I was growing up. The, you know, I had this, this um, experience that's common for people who, who grew up in a factory town. The factory whistle would wake you up in the morning and <laughs> you would hear it several times during the day as it was sort of orchestrating you know, the work of the, of the workers. So one day I came home from school. My dad had big news, which was that the company wanted to send him to Rome, Italy to move our family where he would lead the Italian factories there. And this was meaningful to me, even though this was, you know, the beginning of middle school for me and I was very young, but I came from this large a Southern Italian immigrant family. And I had, you know, my great grandfather lived to be 102. And when wow. he was 99, I remember having this kind of awkward conversation because frankly, he didn't really, he really didn't really speak Italian. He spoke this very guttural uh, dialect and he definitely didn't speak English. So I don't know how we had the conversation, but he told me about his journey. And so I, I literally carried that with me on the TWA flight over to Rome and when we landed there and the entire time that I lived in in Italy I had this you know sort of just sense of like if this is made in America it's it's an illustration my my father's grandfather immigrates on a boat and he's telling me he's peeling vegetables and my father's flying back in a plane to a, with a corner office you know an incredible you know com commanding respect an hour away from where his great his where his grandfather had left Wow. So there, that there must was a personal been, story there. Yeah, that must have been amazing as a child to have experienced that. It absolutely was on so many levels. So there was just that personal connection to my mm -hmm. family's immigrant story. But maybe even more profoundly, you can tell I'm telling I'm, I'm revealing that I took a TWA flight. So this reveals just how long ago <laughs> that was. For those who while. don't even know, that was an airplane. Uh, that was a, a you know a airline that, that went out of business many years ago. But at that time, it was very rare, uh, especially for an American, to be in an international community. And I went to um, an international school. My friends were from all over Europe. They were from the Middle East. And they came from all kinds of demographics from the United States. So just experienced the world in a really profound, diverse way that, that changed me and, and wow. sort of shaped who I am. It's a fabulous story and a fabulous experience to have had at such a young age. Of course, you know my immigrant story from, from Barbados, but I think anyone having the immigrant experience, whether you're going to or coming from, it really does shed light and open you up into a whole new world of understanding others. So that explains a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And I need to interview you someday so we all hear the more of the story of Barbados. It's what I love, these connections and these stories. The other part of that experience that, that shaped and changed me was when we moved back to the town. Mm. And you can look at a graph of the, uh, the rubber industry, the, the chemical rubber industry, which was um, you know, part of this town's heritage and culture. There was a main road called Rubber Avenue that I never questioned as being unusual, by the way. <laughs> Everyone else had Main Street, but we had Rubber Avenue. And we came back and those factories along Rubber Avenue, along the riverbanks started to disappear. And more importantly, the jobs disappeared and then the small businesses, the mom and pop shops that were just the economic lifeblood really of this community disappeared. 
And so even though I was just starting high school when we returned, this was another moment for me of just, you know, I can look back now and say, I understood and worried about this relationship between business and society. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, do com- what can companies, uh, what do they accomplish when they are part of the fabric of a community? And right. even if they're not wonderful philanthropists, they're at least contributing in an economic multiplier to that community's success. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. So you went on to pursue both the, the corporate jobs and obviously you're also now a, an entrepreneur. So how did you get from your upbringing in that town to choosing to go into corporate and what led you on your entrepreneurial journey? No, I love that question. Thank you. And it's, as you can imagine, sort of, I've been doing this work um, a very long time. These early experiences shaped who I am, what I care about. And of course, looking back now, I can see how they shaped my work and career choices. So starting back in college, when I studied both psychology and Spanish and People would look at me and say, what are you going to do with those two things together? Makes Um, sense to me. (laughs) Thank you very much. We should have been friends then. And, uh, you know, the Spanish was just in part, I, you know, had been on a journey of learning other cultures and languages, and I could not understand. It was not part of me to stop that. But the, the interesting thing about psychology, I studied both social psychology and cognitive psychology. Today, we think of that as neuroscience. And Here's a reality, the world of leadership coaching, change consulting, which I have now for decades lived and and experienced was was barely emerging at the time that I was in college. And those topics that I, you know, social psych and cognitive psych really form a lot of the foundation of our work today in culture and change and leadership. And I do want you to know, I uh, my first study on leadership, I was 19 years old and did that work on using Lotus 123 to look at the regression analysis. Okay, now you're, now you're really <laughs> dating yourself. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I got an A, but I got feedback that I did not know how to type. So that was fascinating. But And then uh, I went to graduate school and found a program, uh, one of the earliest programs really in furthering not just the the theory and framework, but the practice of how how is this used in in organizations. So I, in my early career, as you said, I, I worked in corporations. I worked for this amazing high tech company that had changed the world, literally uh, invented the internet. And, and then worked for this amazing regional bank that had a global presence. And both of those experiences were amazing. I was able to kind of, you know, take this, these values of business, society, of, you know, work and, and, and community and, and build, build meaningful work for myself and for yeah. others in, in both of those organizations. That's fantastic. When I think of the work of the Boston Club, and working with executives and trying to further the cause of women in leadership. I'm not surprised, given your background, that you are the leader of this organization during this critical time. So talk to us about a little bit more about what your role is and what you hope to achieve, given your role as president and and those connections, because you talked about you know, the art of evolving yourself and your business. And certainly you're 
I, I certainly see the connection for the work that you did and your psychology background and so forth to what you're doing now. And I'm just wondering, given your culture, your interest in culture, your Spanish uh, and all of that, what do you see as, how does that play out for your current role? That's, um, thank you for asking and for making that connection. Yeah. And of course, after I evolved my career and work from, from corporate life to being an entrepreneur two decades ago, I brought with me just more life lessons and experiences, this sort of uh, looking back, not only the connection of business and society, but the importance of entrepreneurism mm -hmm. and uh, inclusion as a, a lifelong journey. You know, we, we can be in experiences where we appreciate and have empathy for individuals, but there's always some other facet of a human being, of a person that, that we learn about and, and appreciate. And, and I think maybe most importantly, in answer to your, your question, I don't, I, I can't really pinpoint all the meaningful moments, but in the two decades of prior consulting, I've really come to appreciate the importance and power of women's economic empowerment as a path to empathy, equity, understanding, justice. And so when we look at the Boston Club, which as you said, is, is this amazing community of women and, and business and thought leaders who ally together to advance women's empowerment and careers. I'm gonna use your um, wonderful framework of dream, plan, create, and achieve. You know, the, the club started with a dream of advancing women to significant leadership positions. And we're building on that legacy and that platform to be an even more inclusive organization. Mm -hmm. Terrific. And it's so necessary at this time, you know, in terms of the club, because as, as a member, I, I know the journey of the club and given the moment that we're in, in terms of the racial reckoning and also, you know, if you look at what's happened most recently, Me Too and all of the social issues that are going on. The role really has evolved and is evolving to be even more inclusive. So as president, talk to us about what, what's your vision? What is it that you're trying to achieve? So um, I first want to acknowledge how you've contributed to this, this vision and you know where today's Boston Club is. I, I think it's, it's really important. You were instrumental in, in developing, inspiring us on a journey of what we call a five-day challenge, what you call the five-day challenge. You kind of took in a, a concept of, could we learn something every day that builds our empathy and understanding and particularly walking in the shoes, understanding the lens of a woman of color you know, and in, in, in society. And, you know, that was so meaningful because while the, the programming is, is wonderful, it inspires important conversations, but what you enabled us to do was to go on a personal journey. You and your mm -hmm. colleagues, I have to say, Donna Bonaparte and your, the team on the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Committee, which is one of our most active and amazing group of, of women in, in, the, in the club, and it's it's a personal journey, and uh, you know a journey of, of of understanding and empathy, and you were were so important in that. 
thank you for that. Well, well, thank you. And thank you for acknowledging it. You know, it takes a village. This is not easy work. And it's really important, I think, quite frankly, as a DEI consultant and someone who is always seeking to inspire others to learn and grow. And I'm always on that journey myself. It's really, really important. We have those personal connections and really have that empathy and understanding of others. So thank you for, for that. Absolutely. And you know, to, to be even more pointed in answering your question, where, where is the Boston Club today and where are we going? Just even sharing my life's journey is, is a little bit of a look back at where, where has corporate America been? And you know, as you said, we, 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 we can't look at where we're going forward without sort of understanding how the nature of work has changed so much since the club was founded in 1975. Well, you know, whether it's corporations, the competing expectations of shareholders and communities, there are new technologies. We've seen the rise of ESG, Environment mm -hmm. Social Governance Standards for Boards. We know that the workforce is more diverse, it's virtual, it's contingent. And we know, as you said, that the global pandemic revealed some glaring inequities and particularly around differences such as gender and race. And so what it means for us today is we build on the club's legacy as being a force for change, but expanding this to mean both gender and racial diversity and, and also other facets of diversity of being different as well, uh, including sexual orientation or gender identity. And right. you can hear in my own story, for me, leadership is a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. And I think for the Boston Club, uh, we've seen our membership expand from 1975, where it was really founded by corporate leaders, to today where we are multi-sector with nonprofit leaders, entrepreneurs, thought leaders. We continue to uh, offer uh, experiences, conversations, build relationships that get women to tables that matter. And you, you're familiar with our census, which was uh, first implemented in 2003. It's been a, a very important tool for tracking women's participation on boards. Yeah. We've been expanding that to include gender and race. And as we're looking at and shining a light on what other organizations are doing, we're holding ourselves accountable. Uh, we are acting on our values of inclusion and connection and impact. And in our upcoming uh, corporate salute, we're going to be awarding our second annual uh, Women in Business Racial Equity and Ally Award as just one small example mm -hmm. of, of the ways in which we are acting on, on those values. Yeah, and, and I think that's so important. You know, speaking of evolving, right? The organization needed to evolve and is evolving. And it's wonderful to see that that transformation in, in, the, in the process. And you're certainly a great leader in helping to guide us there. And so, Lisa, we've talked about your upbringing and, and, and uh, what was the name of that street? Rubber, rubber, rubber street. Avenue, Ru rubber <laughs> Avenue, <laughs> Rub rubber Avenue, the transition to Italy and 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 your entrepreneurship, your your book and, and all of that. And I'm wondering, what do you think, given where we are at this moment in time, both in, both in terms of women's leadership and of course the racial uh, reckoning and and diversity, equity, and inclusion, what advice do you have for leaders 
who are trying to evolve themselves and their business brands because both are critical? It's a really powerful question. I my my advice is to recognize that we're standing at an important moment of history. And understanding being clear-eyed about your values, having those values serve as a North Star. To me, that is the art of the evolution for yourself as well as for your business. And you can hear in my story, the, the values of that relationship between business and society, inclusion, entrepreneurism, women's empowerment, these that may, maybe not all at the same time, but certainly over the course of my career, that the, those have been my North Star. And so my advice is not only the clarity, but I think it takes courage to dream. It takes courage to plan and create because to that very important point you made, as important as leadership is, it's all of us being leaders together. And so how you plan and create with one another, how you, how you are like a magnet for people who share those values and work toward that vision is the most important step you can take as a leader. Love that. Love that. And of course, for the, and I also love that you love my framework, a, a dream plan, create, achieve. I thought it's fantastic. <laughs> executed it beautifully. Thank and for you. those who may not be familiar with it, my book, The Guide to Strategic Networking has that framework and I've also pulled it out and have been using it as my success framework. And, and so feel free to uh, take a look at that, check out the show notes, there are links to everything we're talking about in the show notes. And, and so Lisa, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to tell our listeners how they can reach you. But before I do that, I want to give you an opportunity. If there's anything that we have not yet talked about or anything that you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up. Thanks, Juliet. I would, would want to say I'm so grateful to be your colleague and friend. I love this venue that you've created and I'm completely honored to be uh, one of your guests today. Oh, wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for saying that. So I want to just highlight some of the wonderful nuggets that you gave to our listeners. I, I Sometimes I call these what are called the making it real kinds of things and act, actions that people can take. And what I heard you say, uh, the first part was really about really being clear about your values. And your values were shaped very early on first in terms of the, the town that in which you grew up in, your early experiences, traveling and living in Italy, you know, also watching your parents and, and, and the transition within your town and having to figure out how do you translate that to who Lisa is. And the, the other thing that I heard you say is how important it is for business and society, right? That where we live in business, we work in businesses, but those businesses are a microcosm of the societies in which we live. And so there's this responsibility that we as business leaders have to make sure that we are carrying forth the things that need to be carried forward. And in this day and age, it's about 
inclusion, not that it hasn't always been important, but even more so, it's important that leaders step up and make sure they're living the values and being inclusive in how they lead. And of course, the my framework that you referenced, dream, plan, create, achieve, and how we need to not only dream, but make sure that we have plans that are, again, reflecting our values. And the key thing, of course, of all of this is continuing to evolve. So both as individuals and as organizations. Did you want to add? Yes, just one more nugget because you just inspired. So I'm actually quoting another leader I spoke with recently who, who, who would have loved this conversation, who will love this conversation. And especially as it relates to not just values, but the courage, it, 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 it's one thing to dream. It's another to plan and create. And that takes you know, the integrity and courage of your convictions. And this leader made a comment to me that just resonated about you know, being aware of sometimes of how we give up in, in so many small ways that, you know, uh, there's a challenge, might have passion for something, but it's, it's too difficult. There are too many barriers. And, you know, the ways in which we need, to, we need each other to, to work together for, toward mm-hmm. that vision. I just, uh, the, that idea of giving up in so many small ways. And so, yeah. you know, I ask myself, uh, now, since that conversation, you know, in what what small way am I giving up? And so what's another way to move <laughs> around this? And and uh, that gave me a tool that, you know, in your, in your framework here of, of, of practicality, that gave me a tool as well. I just wanted to offer that. No, thank you. Thank you so much, because it, it's easy to evolve when there aren't barriers, right? right. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, it's it's easy to advocate when there isn't much cost to you, whether it's personally, emotionally, socially. And so it's really important that we think about not only the actions that, that we have to take in terms of that success framework, but also making sure that we're not giving up on things too quickly. There, there, there comes a point where you, you, you know, it's, it's a, a, I guess, a matter of perspective. There comes a point where when do you stop pushing? And the answer really is you don't. You That's don't, right? right? You, you, right. you, you try something else, or you, you. That's you, right. You find other ways because exactly, you, right. you want because you care more about the message and the outcome you know, then, then, uh, then the way that you might be trying to uh, make, make the change happen. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent addition to, to our conversation. And so Lisa, how can our, our listeners reach you? Uh, thank you so much for that. I can be reached at Lisa at priorconsulting.com. And please feel free to visit uh, Lisa Pryor at LinkedIn and connect with me there. Visit the website priorconsulting.com. And I'm on Twitter as well, priorconsulting.com. There you have it, folks. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me today on Entering the Inspiration Zone. And I look forward to seeing you around town and uh, and also to working and collaborating with you as a part of the club. Juliet, thank you for this inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Entering the Inspiration Zone. Until next time, we would love to hear from you. So if you'd like to join our mailing list, please send an email to info at inspirationzonellc.com. That's info 
at inspirationzonellc.com. And be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Thank you and have a fabulous day.